coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. And one of the responsibilities was being a cooking show host. And I said, guys, I hate to tell you, but I don't really know how to cook. <laughs> and they said, that's okay. But knife skills, I learned how important it is. And from that, I learned how to respect the process of what you're doing. It's not just, you know, crack an egg in a pan and you have scrambled eggs. It's not just throw some meat on the grill and you have, you know, you have a steak. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is a process to it. And there is an, right. a, and you can elevate that process to an art form. The other family was freaking out over my scrambled eggs. <laughs> scrambled eggs this good and i say it, it with with all due respect it's not my eggs that i'm making it's wolfgang puck's eggs and in downtown st pete i think we're flush with ideas like that i mean i know you know you've talked to uh the chef rob Reinsmith from noble crust who now has wild child right Rick and mortar is one of my absolute favorites mm-hmm. obviously you know i think right now the one most talked about and, and most reputable restaurant that if you haven't tried, you should is urban Stillhouse. I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys have been yet, we have, but yes. it is, there's nothing like it in this area. That's cool. We'll have to go to be Peter Luger's. Yeah. Oh, that it, has to be on your list. Is that, is that the one where the waiters are like intentionally rude to you? They're not intentionally rude. They're, they're intentionally old. They're almost <laughs> all senior citizens. Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Rich Hollenberg. Rich is a sportscaster on ESPN and Fox Sports, and prior to that, he was on several TV cooking shows with many celebrity chefs. At the top of the show, we have Abby with her recipe with a modern take on lobster thermidor. We We have have a great great show, so stick around. around. As a St. Pete Foodies listener, you should also check out the Zest podcast from WUSF Public Media. You know, the Tampa NPR folks. Every Thursday, host Dahlia Cologne shares everything from food history to the best restaurants you haven't tried. There's recipes you'll want to try and a different slice of our state's foodie scene. The key lime actually is native to Southeast Asia. The English sailors were called limeys when they found out that they put it in their barrels of water to get rid of that brackish well-watered taste, they uh, didn't get scurvy anymore. So they wanted them in all their ports in the tropics, so they took the seeds and planted them. So that's how we ended up with key limes down here. 
We invite you to listen to The Zest on your favorite podcast app or at thezestpodcast.com. Tell Tell them St. Pete Foodie sent you. St. Pete is all about local, and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary. Roland Oates Market and Cafe was founded in July of 94 by Bert Swain and Larry Schwartz. From the beginning, Roland Oates has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods, nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable prices possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town, and on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' Oats has a cafe, open daily, which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh-made smoothies, along with a variety of prepared and packaged take-home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today. Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North. And in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North McDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at rollinoats.com. That's R-O-L-L-I-N oats.com. And Rollin' Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup. Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly pimento cheese and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh yeah, I love that one too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes, pork belly glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG. Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms, and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for the fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, Best Casual Dining, Best Pizza, Best Bloody Marys, Best Meatballs, and, believe it or not, Best Salads. Ooh, can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs. It's oh, so good. Man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 1030, which I love. And the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. Please welcome, with our monthly recipe, straight from the St. Pete Foodies Test Kitchen at her own house, Abby (laughs) Allen. Welcome, Abby. Hey, guys. Great to talk to you, as always. Yes. This one is going to be fun, but first, we want to thank Rollin' Oats for sponsoring the recipe segment, and all of the ingredients came from Rollin' Oats, and here's what happened. I'm on Facebook one day, and Rollin' Oats makes a post that they have Lobster. lobster. I'm like, we're doing lobster. <laughs> so, in case you don't know, Rollin' Oats is a locally owned organic food market where you can get the highest quality ingredients for cooking at home. And they also have delicious prepared foods for when you're on the run or don't feel like cooking. And they've been around for over 25 years now. Mm-hmm. And 
what did we decide to do with the lobster? So this one, as you said, is very exciting. Um, lobster thermidor, which for a lot of people out there, they may roll their eyes and old oh, school recipe. Oh, exactly. <laughs> old school French recipe that takes time and expensive ingredients and, you know, whatever. But here to tell you that that's not the case. It doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be tedious and time consuming and what have you to have a nice, enjoyable lobster third door. Oh, it doesn't have to be a special event. It could be a Tuesday, whatever. Rolling us makes it easy. Right. Especially these new lobsters, this new lobster situation. So they have tails, claws, and the meat I saw, which is oh, awesome. Nice. So for, for this, we are going to use the lobster tails. Okay. Um, yeah. And a lot of the recipes, lots of research looking at this. A lot of the recipes will use live lobsters. Now, obviously, we're going to use what we have. So they have the tails. So basically what lobster thermidor is for those who don't know, um, it's basically take cook your lobster, you remove it from your shell, you make this little sauce situation, you stuff it back into your half shells, you brown it in the oven, and it's just this delicious, this delicacy, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, this is what you would call it. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's basically it for the process. And again, all the ingredients um, come from rolling oats. Now there are a few substitutions, um, things that I left off as I often do. Mm-hmm. Now the traditional French method, it's a heavy, rich wine sauce, which you probably mm-hmm. did some research too, Kevin, I'm sure. Yeah, there's but- wine and cream in there. Sherry mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually they said in the original recipe, I read that there used to be like mustard in it. Um, And a lot of times they will finish it with like a cheesy, like Gruyere cheese traditionally. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I have kind of omitted. Just, I feel like there's a lot of heavy things already kind of going on and, you know. Mm -hmm. So so this is, this is a, a modern, somewhat lighter take on lobster thermidor. Yes, absolutely. Using utilizing the ingredients that are available to us from, you know, especially being able to find everything at one location. You can get everything there, including the wine. And we've talked about cooking with wines before. Mm-hmm. Um, Rolling Oats is a great selection of white wines to cook with and um, always cook with something that you drink. That's what I will say. Mm-hmm. Well, so yeah. And for serving this, I mean, it's great as an appetizer or, um, you know, just a light lunch. And because it is so heavy, I, I enjoy it with just like a light salad and like a, like a toasted baguette to enjoy mm-hmm. it. With. That's all you need. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That Simple. sounds great. Yeah. Simple. And you will find the recipe for lobster thermidor on St. Petersburg foodies.com, obviously in the recipe section. And again, we want to thank Roland Oates for sponsoring the monthly recipe and Abby Allen for creating it. And Kevin Godby for forgetting to ask Ken Smith for a wine pairing. Yeah, I was just thinking about that when you brought up the wine. <laughs> when I was talking about wine. Yeah. Yeah. Buen provecho, y'all. We'll be right back with Rich Hollenberg, so don't go away. Where can you find the freshest fish in St. Pete? Well, you can't get fresher than caught that day. That's what you'll find at Trophy Fish. The Day Boat Special includes the fresh catch of the day, cooked how you want it, with your choice of two sides and a house-made sauce. They also have some incredible appetizers, like grilled street corn that's like crack, that stuff's so good, incredible grilled oysters, fresh fish spread, and much more. You will also find some options for the land lovers out there. All of this set in a setting that makes you feel serene and relaxed with your toes in the sand, like a day at the beach. They like to call their concept, Bait Shop Chic. 
So head on down to Trophy Fish, where you can grab a boat drink from their full bar and fill your tummy with the freshest catch around. Trophy Fish is located at 2060 Central Avenue in the Grand Central District. They are open Wednesday through Friday at 5 p.m., Saturday and Sunday at 12 to 3 for brunch and at 5 for dinner. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number no. 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number no. 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number no. 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Our guest today is a local St. Pete television sports reporter that you'll find calling college basketball on ESPN and Rays baseball on Fox Sports. Please welcome Rich Hollenberg. Welcome, Rich. It's my pleasure to be here. You know, I, I know I've communicated this with you beforehand, but I feel like even though we've never met, I feel like I know you guys already because <laughs> I've been listening to the podcast for the last few weeks when I'm running in, in my neighborhood, getting some exercise. So it's good to finally actually be talking to you. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah, same here. And it really, it warms my heart because I do a lot of work on this show and we, I mean, I know how many listeners we have because we have stats. So we have a decent amount of listeners, but I don't often get feedback like, mm -hmm. well, shout out to Eric Jacob, if he's still listening, hopefully, but he used to, we have one fan that would like every week would send me like a private message or something and say, Oh, I love the show. And, da, da, da. and then, I get, then he stopped. And I'm like, are you still listening? But yeah, yeah. thanks. thanks. We, we haven't met in person, but we do know Bobby and Ronnie, who you know very mm -hmm. well as, as well. So we hung out with them on Saturday. Yeah, I know you, you teased me with that, Lori. I was very <laughs> jealous. And then, of course, I saw the pictures and I got even more jealous. Well, we'll have to invite you next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you're definitely a true foodie. And I just want to tell a quick story about how this interview came about, because at least I think it's a little bit entertaining. Uh -huh. So we I think we had a, a new episode drop and then I hear a ding of my private message on Facebook and it's rich. And he says, hey, Kevin, been listening to St. Pete Foodie. has been following you guys since day one. I see you have a podcast now. I want to be on it. <laughs> and I said, Rich, we've had a podcast since 2018, but that's okay. You can still be on it. <laughs> no, well, I'm glad you found it finally. Oh. So you're definitely a big time sports guy. You're also a big time food guy. And you were doing actually both at the same time for, for many years. Yeah, I... I was dipping my toe in, in many waters at, at one point. And in some ways I, I feel like I still am, even though, you know, food has become more of a, I guess, a hobby of a passion and sports is now my full-time job, but I, I still do both as much as possible because I love both areas and, and the TV side of both areas as much as I always have. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. That's your, your main thing is, uh, your training and, and experience and background is TV. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went journalism. to college for it. Uh, I knew I wanted to be a sportscaster ever since I was old enough to realize I wasn't going to be a professional athlete. And <laughs> the, the food and the cooking side of it, guys, came significantly later. My, my great-grandmother, my grandmother, my mom, they were all great cooks. Mm-hmm. But cool. it never inspired me to want to be a great cook. I made pasta and eggs as a college student and as a young you know, um, up and comer, you know, who was still single, I, I ate to survive. Now I live <laughs> to eat right, uh, exactly. much more than I, much more than I eat to live. Well, and uh, it's where become a passion from? of mine. Sorry. I was asking where you, where you're from originally. I'm sorry. I didn't mean uh, to cut you off. Yeah, No, I, I grew up in New Jersey and I went to, Sy- I went to school at Syracuse university at mm-hmm. the new house school where a lot of sportscasters cut their teeth. And, uh, and like I said, now, you know, I, my wife doesn't cook at all. So I take that part from, you know, when we first got married 20 years ago and I said, okay, now I'm cooking for a reason, not mm-hmm. just cooking to put food in my stomach. And uh, then I started working at home shopping network many, many years ago as their sports host. Mm-hmm. And while I was still doing other freelance sports gigs, I was working at home shopping network and they recruited me to add on to my responsibilities there. And one of the responsibilities was being a cooking show host. And I said, guys, I hate to tell you, but I don't really know how to cook. <laughs> and they said, that's okay. We'll send you to some cooking classes and you'll take a couple of courses. Cool. And I ended up meeting Chef Tom Pritchard, the late, great Tom Pritchard right. from Salt Rock Grill fame. And that kind of sparked something inside of me. And then I, I tell people this all the time, and I'm not even half joking. I literally learned how to cook on television. So I was working with Wolfgang Puck. And I mean, it's going to sound like I'm name dropping, but obviously they bring in celebrity chefs on HSN. Right. And I was working side by side with them. And in some ways, I literally learned how to cook by being shoulder to shoulder with some of the great chefs in the country, if not the world, many years ago. And my, my passion was sparked then and it continues to this day for sure. That's awesome. How cool is How that? How fun. <laughs> yeah. So you must have learned a lot from Tom Pritchard. Uh, may he rest in peace. Yes. And, but w- was there any one thing that really gripped you or stood out that you remember from Tom? Knife skills. That was, the, skills. That was the first thing that Chef Tom taught me and us. It wasn't just a, a private lesson or anything like that. But knife skills, I learned how important it is. And from that, I learned how to respect the process of what you're doing. It's not just, you know, crack an egg in a pan and you have scrambled eggs. It's not just throw some meat on the grill and you have, you know, you have a steak. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is a process to it. And there is an, right. a, and you can elevate that process to an art form. Mm-hmm. I certainly yep. haven't done that. Uh, I'm not in the presentation business. That's why most of the time you won't find any pictures of mine on Instagram of the food (laughs) that I cook. It's more of the places that I visit and things like that, because I don't think pictures of food, you guys do a great job, but uh, I'm certainly not a professional photographer. And I never think that the pictures of the food that I create do justice to how it tastes. I'm more about the visceral tasting of the food. And so I leave that to, to other professionals, but Um, I I think learning from Chef Tom and certainly from the people who are too many to mention, uh, who I worked with, who I've become friends with to this day, 
um, they elevate it to an art form that I certainly would aspire to uh, elevate it to if I had the time. But now right. I just I, I love eating food as much as I love making food and creating food. And uh, and all of that combined, I think, uh, you know, I, I say on my Instagram under my name, there there is no uh, love more sincere than love of food. And mm -hmm. I think that that basically defines what my relationship with food is. Me too. Me too. <laughs> us too. Yeah. yeah you're, and you're like us too, because you, you love to go to restaurants, but you also enjoy cooking at home. We like to do both. And I had a similar experience more recently where during early, early COVID, you know, mid, I don't know, May, June last year, I decided to do some online cooking courses. And yeah, knife skills is the first thing you really need to learn mm -hmm. because once you learn how to do it right, now it's not a chore anymore. Right. Now, right. now it's, now it's like, oh, the, the part, and, and usually that's the beginning, you know, usually you're chopping stuff and whatnot to get things prepared. You know, if the very first step is a chore, you're going to be reluctant to do it. But once you learn how to do it right, yeah, it's the knife skills for sure. And yeah, that's another interesting thing that you brought up, like with like Instagram, social media, taking pictures and presentation, there are now, now, you know, in more recent years, chefs now have to learn how to take photos or get somebody <laughs> that knows how for them. Right. Right. Yeah, you're, you're much more multimedia savvy in this day and age. Right. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and we were much better than we used to be since we started learning things, how to do it the right way and practicing a lot. And then, you know, I actually, I'm not going to mention any names, but I was having lunch with a local St. Pete chef recently. And he said, why, why are you doing all this cooking stuff? Don't you, shouldn't you be, be promoting restaurants? I said, well, I'm actually kind of doing it so I can better have better conversations with chefs right. and understand what they're doing. And he goes, yeah, but I know this guy, this New York food critic guy, he started taking all these courses and suddenly he thought he was better than all the chefs. And I said, no, 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 it's the opposite. I just learned that I don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You develop a tremendous respect yeah. for you what really they do. do. And there, there's, there's a huge gap, as you guys know, uh, between being a cook and being a chef. And exactly. there was a time when I was traveling around the country doing food tours. Companies would put together a, a, a tour. Usually it was around a sporting event because they knew I was a sportscaster. So it might be around uh, opening day of baseball season. It might cool. be around the Super Bowl, something like that. And there, it would be a sponsored tour. And I would go around the country and go on all these morning shows and things like that. And some people who didn't do their homework would introduce me as a chef and oh, no. I felt the first moment I came on the air, instead of saying, thanks for having me, I'd say, I have to correct you. I am not a chef. Oh, no. I'm just a home cook because being a chef takes a lot more experience and a lot more education than I've ever had for sure. Right. Yeah. I, I had a few times where I was posting some of my stuff, food that I cooked and played it nicely. And uh, some couple of people commented, and called and said, good job, chef. So we did a, a brief segment on another episode where I said, here's why I don't want you to call me chef. And basically <laughs> right. explaining what we were just talking about there. Yeah. So I'm going to drop some names for you. Okay. Uh, you already mentioned Wolfgang Puck. You also cooked alongside of Emeril Lagasse, Kat mm -hmm. Cora, Art Smith, Scott Conant, Michelle mm -hmm. Bernstein, Roy Yamaguchi, and the list goes on. That's not even all of them. Yeah, that that that's the short list. Um, and all of those, I, I must tell you, 
every single one of those, when you bring up those names, brings memories back that I cherish to this day. Now, I, I'm not in touch with all of these people a lot. Scott Conan happens to be someone I count as a, a very close friend of mine still to this day. And he's gone on to so much fame being a, a guest on Chopped and host of his own shows on, on Food Network. And I'll tell you guys, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Scott was this close a couple of different times to having a restaurant or two in St. Petersburg. Wow. And the deals just didn't work out. And now he's opened three different restaurants in the Scottsdale area instead. So wow. it, it's our loss because Scott is a yeah, tremendous, totally. tremendous talent. And I recommend anybody, if you're in the Arizona area to find his restaurants. And uh, he certainly made for a name for himself in New York, which is the toughest place to make a name for yourself. But uh, Scott's a good friend. And I, listen, I was just on spring break vacation with my family and another close family uh, that we travel with. And uh, I'm in charge of making breakfast before everyone else goes out and hits the ski slopes. Nice. And the other family was freaking out over my scrambled eggs. How <laughs> you scrambled eggs this good. And I say it, it with, with all due respect, it's not my eggs that I'm making. It's Wolfgang Puck's eggs. He right. taught uh, me how to make scrambled cool. eggs. And if you think that there is not a difference between making scrambled eggs the way everyone makes them and the way Wolfgang Puck teaches mm -hmm. you, I defy that because I can make you scrambled eggs in my house right now that I am confident to say will be among the best scrambled eggs. And that's not being cocky on my behalf. That's hmm. just to show that something as simple as scrambled eggs could be elevated mm -hmm. if you have the right person teaching you how to do something like that. And uh, Wolf taught me how to make them years ago. And, and is, is his style, that. is what? it the, like the, the soft, fluffy style yes mm -hmm. soft fluffy i like mine a little bit on the runnier side and mm -hmm. the key is uh, and i'm happy to share this with you the key is you don't crack them in a bowl and whisk them together and then pour it in the pan you crack them directly in the pan and you give them constant attention almost mm -hmm. like you would a risotto dish mm -hmm. uh risotto is another favorite dish of mine to make for my family and you have to pay constant attention mm -hmm. to it which takes a little longer and it's a little more uh, work intensive, but the end result you get with going back to the eggs, you get the whites and the yellows. So you get the yolk and the egg white right. both showing through. That's and cool. then it, I, I think it's just so much better than scrambling the eggs beforehand and putting it in the pan. Interesting. Hmm. That's pretty we'll cool. have to have a cook off. Cause I think I make pretty damn good scrambled <laughs> eggs myself. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Kevin, and, Kevin can't even come close to making them the way I and, do. And Lori, Lori bases hers, and I think it's a, it's somewhat the same style. Gordon Ramsay. No, does but them he way. he does break it into a bowl and yeah, whisk does. them and uses creme fraiche in right. his. But his but, end result okay. is similar. But I think the the biggest thing is also knowing when to take it off the heat, pull it off the heat, and keep going with it, and just constantly working it. Yeah, so. you got it. So that was interesting. I was kind of that was you answered part of my next question already with the scrambled eggs and Wolfgang, but are there with all the different celebrity chefs uh, that you've worked with, do you have any favorite moments or anything that really stuck in your mind or surprised you? I'll go back to uh, someone we mentioned already, and that's Scott Conan. And mm -hmm. when Scott came to Home Shopping Network, he was a relative unknown and HSN was in some ways rolling the dice on him. He was an up and comer. And the people, the company who partnered with Wolfgang 
had enough leverage because Wolfgang was such a smash success that they said, we have the next star chef for you. Let's Ooh. bring him in. And so they said, okay, Rich, you're going to hold this guy's hand. You're going to teach him how to cook and present on the air. And, you know, we're going to pair you guys up. So Scott and I were forced together when we had never met each other. So we became fast friends because of that. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it, it's not so much a cooking demonstration that sticks with me. Although one of the great demonstrations that he made was one of the simplest ones and one of the most effective ones, especially if you're trying to sell non-cooks, non-stick cookware. And that is, he just put a ton of Parmesan cheese <laughs> in the bottom of a pan with nothing on it. And within a minute, he scooped it up with a spatula and there was nothing left in the bottom of wow. the pan. And you could literally eat that Parmesan. It became yeah. like a Parmesan crouton. Yeah, right, right. That's awesome. And so I remember that to this day. But I also remember uh, the times after all of our, you know, all of our practice and all of our demonstrations, sitting down and having a drink with Scott afterwards. And he wasn't blown away and befuddled and, and it, you know, in some way intimidated by being on television. He wrote on a cocktail napkin his vision of what his first restaurant was going to be under his own name. He had worked at a couple of restaurants um, in New York City already for other people. But he said, this is what I want to call my restaurant. It's going to be called Scarpetta. Mm -hmm. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, well, if you literally translate Scarpetta in Italian, it means old shoe. And I said, (laughs) why the hell would you want to call your first flagship restaurant old shoe? And he said, it's simple. When you go, his grandmother was Italian. She was from the old world. And she said, when you make a really good sauce, you want that sauce to be sopped up after you're done. And the bread that you would use Mm -hmm. to sop up the sauce almost looked like an old shoe. And that's (laughs) where they got the term Scarpetta from. And Scott literally sketched this whole idea out for me on a cocktail napkin. And that was, oh my gosh, over 20 years ago. No, it was close to 20 years ago at this point. And he went on, Scarpetta was in New York City. Scarpetta was in Dubai. Scarpetta was in Las Vegas at the Cosmopolitan. (laughs) And he's moved on from that name since then. But that's something that certainly always sticks with me. So he doesn't still have the restaurant in New York? No, he doesn't have Scarpetta in New York. I believe it still exists. I think he sold it to Uh, someone else and moved on to start new, new ventures. We're getting okay. we're getting ready to plan a trip to New York, so I'm taking yeah. down oh, names. Yeah, <laughs> make sure if you've never been, make sure you touch base with me because I grew up in New Jersey, right mm-hmm. outside of New York City. And uh, it, listen, I love New Orleans and Nashville; those are two of my all-time favorite food cities. Um, and being able to travel as much as I do for work, I get to all these cities a, quite a bit. But there's nothing nothing like New York, and no. uh, there's. Too we many could, places to eat that that you would have to spend years there. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I know. We, we went in 2017 together, um, and we were there for maybe three or four nights, and yeah. it just wasn't long enough. So, ever right. since the pandemic started, I have just been itching to go to New York. I don't know if it's because it was the epicenter and it just represents something. Yeah. So, we actually last year thought we were going to plan a trip in November of 2020. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> so we are going over Thanksgiving week this time and we're saying eight nights. So we really oh, want to have gosh. a nice time to kind of get to know the city and some great places. Yeah. So. We'll definitely touch base with yeah, you on that for and, sure. And regarding uh, Jersey, what exit? 
Uh, well, I was 6W off the Palisades Parkway. Ah, okay. Not off the Garden State Parkway. Right. But uh, you, you I, I lived a little, north. I lived closer to New York City than right. anywhere mm-hmm. that you would get off the Garden State Parkway. But right. I'm a, I'm a diehard Bruce Springsteen fan, as is my birthright. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm, from, I'm from Jersey too. Exit nine on the Turnpike, 129 on the Parkway. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I was like, if I took the New Jersey Transit I into Penn Station, that was like an hour train ride. Or outside a rush hour, 45 minute car ride back in those days. I don't know what it is. Right. Now. <laughs> right. But yeah. So I, I moved, uh, geez. Yeah. I guess it was in my late twenties that I moved down here to Florida. So yeah, I have a lot of catching up to do on New York restaurants, but, uh, yeah, this time we started making a list. Like after our last trip, which was way too short, I was like, darn it. We didn't go here. Darn it. We didn't do this. Yeah. We didn't get pizza, like real New York. Pizza. We didn't get hot dogs. Like, like right. we missed out on the, the so, quintessential so right like, New York. Yeah, stuff. Right now I'm like Chinatown, Chinese, real Chinese food, uh, little Italy for pizza. We got it. I, I'm, I'm making a little list already. Dirty water, hot dog. <laughs> those, those, that's where you start. That's the foundation. Right. Yes. And then you go up from there. Right. Exactly. Hey, Rich, we're going to take a quick break pay some bills, and we will be right back with some more food talk, and we might even sneak in a little bit of raise. We'll be right back. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth, and the hearty proteins, or just mushrooms for vegetarians, it'll have you saying, ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? Barbecue. It's what's on the menu. Here in St. Pete, we have a special place that's unlike any other barbecue joint. Dr. Barbecue is a restaurant for foodies. Dr. Barbecue is also the dude that's a barbecue hall of famer that won over 400 competitions. We'd say he knows a thing or two about barbecue, but let's hear from the man himself. Hey, it's Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. A couple of years ago, after almost 40 years of cooking barbecue, I decided to open a restaurant and St. Petersburg was the perfect spot. I'd been living here for 10 years, so why not? At Dr. Barbecue's, we cook all our meats the old school way, in our huge smokers over oak wood, low and slow. Even the most critical experts agree that we've got the best barbecue in town. But it's not just about the meats. We've got great house-made sides, handcrafted sandwiches, and even a healthy selection of vegan and vegetarian options. Add in a really fun brunch, two bars, and a friendly staff, and I think you'll be glad you joined us. We're at 1101 First Avenue South in the Edge District, right by the roundabout. Get yourself to Dr. Barbecue, pronto. We are back! We are back! We are back with ESPN and Fox Sports reporter Rich Hollenberg and also Mega Foodie. And right before we went to break, every once in a while I use this line, and I'm bringing this up only because I stole it from a sportscaster, but I don't remember who. But we were, we were watching football and they were going to a commercial break. And the guy said, we're going to pay some bills. <laughs> I thought that was cool. I, I like I quick wrote it down real fast. <laughs> so you had an idea for a TV show and you did, I guess, like a pilot or a promo reel. 
And mm -hmm. it, it didn't happen because eventually you decided, you know, you wanted to do sports full time as, as far as work went. But uh, is it OK if I mention it? Tell people. Yeah, sure. So the name of the show. So just go to YouTube, search Rich Hollenberg, H-O-L-L-E-N-B-E-R-G. Search Rich Hollenberg, get in line and you will most likely find it. It sounded like a really cool show. I know. We're both like, damn it. We got to get into quick sports and do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I really scratched an itch doing that. I mean, that was at a time where I was questioning where my career was going to go. I had just left HSN. I had this newfound love of food. I was still doing some work in sports casting all those years, but I didn't have anything full time. And at that time, I was married and had a couple of kids and a third on the way. And I really needed to figure things out. And I said, why not go all in? And I have friends in the industry who helped me out. And I literally, between my friends in the food business down here uh, in St. Pete and my friends in the food business up in New York City, I was able to put together what they call a sizzle reel or a demo reel right. and use real restaurants and real experiences. I didn't have to fake anything. And the whole idea was, what we talked about already, the fact that in, in some literal sense, I learned how to cook on television, but I've never had any formal training. I've never worked in a restaurant before. And I thought it was always fascinating to see the behind the scenes side of what it takes to make it in the restaurant business, not to be a celebrity chef, but just to be an everyday cook. Mm -hmm. And right. what a lot of people don't realize is you call those cooks line cooks and mm -hmm. they work on the line. So I called the show get in line because I knew I was going to have to get in line if I wanted to make it in that business mm -hmm. and, and make that show successful. So it, it was fun chasing that for the short time that I did. Um, <laughs> nothing came of it. And if something did, who knows, I might still be on this podcast talking to you for a completely different reason. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I, I met a lot of great people and had a lot of great experiences in a short amount of time doing that. And shout out to Zach Gross and Z Grill. There's yeah, some, you saw him on some, there. Some we scenes did. there where we you're did. cooking there. Yep, it was pretty cool. So, Rich, do you have any favorite kitchen gadgets or cooking tools or knives? Um, that, that's a good question. I have one that I don't use a lot, and that is an immersion blender. Um, I, mm -hmm. I, I don't make, because we live down here, I feel like I've gotten away from making soups and stews all that often. So that's where an immersion blender would come in. Um, I've replaced that now with uh, a Nutribullet. I, I'm a smoothie freak. I have a, mm -hmm. a green smoothie every morning for breakfast, which is hard for me because breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. Nice. But, that's uh, one of my favorites too. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and that's a whole other podcast because I still <laughs> feel like St. Petersburg is missing that go-to breakfast place. A lot of great breakfast spots, mm -hmm. but um, I feel like we could still use one go-to breakfast spot, but I, I digress. Uh, so I would say a Nutribullet is my favorite go-to appliance right now in my kitchen. Mm -hmm. I have one of those and I use that for those same reasons, but really, yeah, Kevin got me an immersion blender. I, I got him one and then he got me one for Christmas and I haven't used it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but if you watch, okay, so you know the movie Chef? Yes. They, so they have, I think it's on Netflix, pretty sure, another show called The Chef Show. And oh, what it is, it's the, it's the same the same guy who starred as 
John Favreau. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. And and the chef. Ho- hopefully, you can remember the chef's name too, because I don't remember. Roy Choi. Roy, Roy Choi. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, have you seen it then? Oh, I binged it. I watched show? it. Over yeah, we and over binged again. it too. It's my okay. favorite. Yeah, the first but episode. He, he uses he, a blender for everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything. Every recipe has a blender. Yeah. <laughs> but the first one with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, he uses the immersion blender. Right. And that's I was watching that episode, and I said, I want one of those. So then Lori got me one. And whatever happens is anytime I get her some type of kitchen device or whatever, then she has it and I don't and I want one and vice versa. <laughs> That's what always happens. Yeah. If we ever do move in together, we have like double of everything. Yeah. <laughs> right. A match set. So, Rich, how would you describe the St. Pete food and restaurant scene? You know, that's a great question, Kevin. Um, There are a couple of good friends of mine who I guess in some ways similar to how you go out with friends and and like to experience all that's coming around in the St. Pete area. Uh, I have one or two friends who are foodies like I am. And one of them is from the Philadelphia area and he's much more critical of the St. Pete food Mm -hmm. scene than I am. Mm -hmm. I feel like over the last five years, even going back maybe the last 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, the, the St. Pete food scene has been on the come. And yeah. I still think it's rising. That That's the word I would use to describe it. I don't think it's arrived yet as a great food city. I mean, I've mentioned a couple already, New Orleans and Nashville mm-hmm. or two that come to mind as tremendous. Atlanta has a great food scene. But let's face it, St. Pete is a lot smaller than all those cities right. that I just talked about. So with that said, I think per capita, pound for pound, uh, St. Pete has come such a long way from when it, where it was when I first moved into my house 20 years ago mm-hmm. and even 10 years ago. Um, there are great chefs now coming to this area, mm-hmm. not just great restaurants or great food concepts. And now I think that's more of the reputation than what it was when I first moved here, which was, this is a great test market because there's old people and there's young people. So Mm -hmm. all the fast food chains and all the franchises would try out new dishes and new menu items in the Tampa Bay market. And that's what we were known for when it came to food. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think that's true anymore. I think you still have that element, but I think there are so many great original concepts that are opening up. And in downtown St. Pete, I think we're, flush with ideas like that. I mean, I know, you know, you've talked to uh, the chef, Rob Reinsmith from Noble Crust, who now has Wild Child. Right. Rick and Mortar is one of my absolute favorites. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, I think right now, the one most talked about and, and most reputable restaurant that if you haven't tried, you should, is Urban Stillhouse. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys have been yet, we have, but yes. it is there is nothing like it in this area. I think it's come a long, long way in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we agree with you. Yeah. Yes. You know, I agree with you 100% that, you know, it's definitely come a long way and it seems to still be going in the right direction. But there's also times where, you know, we'll be in our, our St. Petersburg Foodies Restaurant Reviews group and somebody will say, oh, yeah, but it's not as good as New York City. And I'm like, is we're, that really fair? We're not. Yeah, New what York is? City. Is that right. really fair to make that comparison? Right. It's not. So you, you mentioned uh, Urban Stillhouse, which is fairly new. Uh, brick and Mortar, which is not new. We love Brick and Mortar, too. And Jason seems to be not comfortable with. He, he, we have we, tried to get him on this podcast. Trust me. So, so next I time you're there, Jason, like crazy. Next time you're there, tell me, yes, come on. 
<laughs> I will. I will. I mean, we love him and he loves us. He's just something about doing a yeah. podcast is uncomfortable. But with, yeah, my, and my other favorite restaurant, which you did not mention, uh, is El Retorno. I think oh, yeah. Chef David is just a genius. But yeah. yeah. So, Rich, do you have any other uh, restaurants you like to mention? Any favorite old standbys or favorite new ones? Yeah, well, I think this will kind of be my tell as to what my favorite type of food is, and that's Italian. Nice. Um, but all the ones that come to mind, I mean, obviously, Mazzaro's is an institution. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Robert Smith is a friend. Our, our sons go to high school together, and he runs a, a tremendous program in carrying on that tradition at Mazzaro's. But right near Mazzaro's, uh, close to St. Pete High School, is Bowen Moe's. Oh, and I know yes. I've seen reviews on, on your Facebook page about Bowen Moe's. I love that real old school Northeastern Italian. Right. I love that. Totally. Um, and then a, a couple of places. I just went to Lolita's for the first mm-hmm. time and I've been <laughs> trying to get there, but they are so crowded and so popular that it took me over a year to finally sneak in there. And I know that they have the same people are behind Lolita's as are Sophia's. Sophia's, and right. Sophia's is dynamite. Again, it's a small place, but it just shows you that all the good food is now migrating west down mm-hmm. Central yeah. Avenue. Yeah. And years ago, it wasn't it wasn't that long ago, as you guys know, you, you, you would think, what, past 20th? Right, you wouldn't right. even think about going past 20th. Now everything is migrating down there, and there's so much great food. So those are a few. Uh, Wild Child is another one. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Again, Rob Reinsmith doing a great job with that. Social Roost, I haven't been to but I've heard great things about. Can't yes. wait to try that. So uh, listen, you can you can throw a stick from where I live and from where you live, and you're going to find any number of great spots. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We know a guy over in the uh, Vero Beach area. He used to be go by Vero Beach Foodie, but he wanted to expand a little. So now he's Treasure Coast Foodie. And he has a similar <laughs> thing that we do, uh, minus podcast. And he emailed us recently saying, hey, in May, I'm going to come visit to do, do like a weekend, a foodie weekend in St. Pete. I want to do, you know, go like do breakfast, lunch and dinner, like starting with dinner Friday night and then do Saturday into Sunday. And it's like, okay, no problem. We can recommend some places and join you on some, but you're going to be hitting maybe 1% of it at most. Right. Right. And that's the highest compliment you could give to a town that's trying to make its reputation on the culinary scene is there's just too many to name. I, I, as you were talking, I was just thinking of another one. My wife and I went on Valentine's Day. We were able to sneak in to Bacchus right off of right, uh, oh, nice. right off of Beach Drive. Dynam, obviously, they make their 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 hay in wine, and the mm-hmm. wine is tremendous. But the food is great. The small plates yeah. that they serve at Bacchus are tremendous. They're, they're almost like a little hidden gem. They are, yeah, totally a hidden gem. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you know this or you saw our post on it, but um, Copper Shakers now really shaking it up with some amazing food in there. And again, that that's why I feel like I know you guys, even though we've never met in person, I, I now have come to understand that I, because I travel so much, I don't necessarily find these places myself. Mm-hmm. So you guys are the go-to to find yeah. out these new places. I didn't even know Copper Shaker existed, but now I do. And it is on that's awesome. my list. That's awesome. We love that. Yes. Yeah. We actually got lucky too. We have uh, one, one of the, uh, young ladies that works for us, uh, Abby, she does a monthly, once a month exclusive recipe she creates for us. And we actually just talked about that before you were on. So we'll, we'll, we'll give you the info on that after, but um, 
what happened with her, she moved down from Ohio a few years ago, and she sent us an email saying, I, I want to work with you guys. I have to work with you guys. And I just moved here from Ohio and I get all of my restaurant information from you. <laughs> so that worked That's out high praise. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So we, we love that. You said that breakfast is one of your favorite meals. So you obviously like cooking that, but also Italian. Do you have any Italian dishes or things you like to make? Uh, I am a traditionalist. And what I always tell people is if I have my last meal on earth, my last meal starts with a good glass of Chianti, a Caesar salad, no anchovies, chicken Parmesan, well done on the cheese and <laughs> flattened out. And then I finish my meal with a tiramisu. So nice. uh, I, I, some things, you know, I, I make a great pasta dish that my wife and my daughter flip over it. Literally, I make it once a week because they're asking me for it. And it's a, a pasta dish that I've developed with no sauce necessarily. <laughs> I roast my tomatoes and I, I nice. actually, yeah, what I do is I, I marinate the tomatoes and they're usually grape tomatoes in uh, a mixture of olive oil and balsamic vinegar and some garlic and salt and pepper. And I let that marinate for a while. And then I roast those at 400 nice. and really blast them. And that becomes the sauce. Yeah. Right, and right. I combine totally. it with, yeah, I combine it with toasted pine nuts and spinach and they just flip out over it. And I, that's when I was, I did a, a handful of food and wine festivals. That was always my go-to demo dish because it was easy cool. to make and easy to, to demonstrate on the air. Um, I don't make a lot of Italian dishes, especially pasta at home, um, because I think to myself, like, I don't want to insult the restaurants that I love going to where they're making fresh made pasta. And you mm -hmm. guys know this. There is no substitute for fresh made pasta. So places right. like Bo and Moe's that would make pasta in-house fresh, there's no, there's no replicating that unless I wanted to do it myself. And I do it from time to time. Like I would make ricotta gnocchi in my kitchen, nice. but I wouldn't do that all the time. Right. Uh, so I shy away from making Italian dishes in general, just because I enjoy eating them so much at my favorite restaurants. Right. 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 So how about a lightning round that we normally do with chefs? So this will be a lightning, lightning round for home cooks. Okay. And sportscasters. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ready? Olive oil or butter? Olive oil. Lemon or lime? Lemon. Regarding pickles, dill or sweet? None. My daughter, Lindsay, is a pickle freak. I do not like pickles. I get my Chick-fil-A sandwiches. No pickles. <laughs> That's funny. Ranch or blue cheese? Uh, I'll go with blue cheese. Okay, good answer. Bacon or sausage? Bacon. Crispy. Nice. Ketchup or mustard? Ketchup. Okay. Ribeye or filet mignon? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm normally I would say can I can I go a little longer on my answer even you can. This, this, this is the last one so go ahead <laughs> okay so I want to bet when the Rays went to the World Series and beat the Yankees and the bet that I had was with an old friend of mine who still lives in New York and I don't know if you guys have heard of or been to Peter Luger's Steakhouse mm -hmm. yes. it is one of ago. the oldest original steakhouses in the world it's in Brooklyn and we bet Peter Luger's who was going to win the Yankees or the Rays? Wow. The Rays won. And I thought, oh, great. The next time I go up to New York, we'll go out to dinner and he's buying at Peter Luger's. This is fantastic. 
Well, a week later, I got an ice chest full wow. of Peter Lugers. And one of the steaks was a ribeye steak. And if I tell you guys, it came out so fantastic just on the stovetop. I didn't even put it on a grill. I put it on my stovetop and it was dynamite. So normally I would say filet, but because of that Peter Luger's experience, I'm going to go with ribeye. Good. That's what we would go with too. Yeah. We always go with ribeye. <laughs> we love ribeyes. Yes. That's cool. We'll have to go to be Peter Luger's. Yeah. Oh, that has to be on your list. Is that, is that the one where the waiters are like intentionally rude to you? They're not intentionally rude. They're they're intentionally old. They're almost all <laughs> senior citizens and they're wearing tuxedos and it's oh it's white linen tablecloths, but the building itself in Brooklyn is, I mean, if it's not a couple hundred years old, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So it's a real old school New York steakhouse experience. But um and I I'm not enough of a steak snob to say I like one steak over another steak or one steakhouse over another. I choose my steakhouses by the sides. Like I love Ruth's cool. Chris cream spinach and mm-hmm. I love Peter Luger's potatoes, things like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, but that is just for the experience itself. I would recommend going to Peter Luger's. Nice. Very cool. Where was the place we went to last time? Started with an S. Oh, um, the place where Sparks. one of the, yeah. Yes, Sparks. That, yeah. that was it. It yeah, really, that, it felt like, it felt like the mafia was in there with us. Like it I was, was just going to say, that's the reputation because, yeah. and I forget which mob guy it was, but the legend is that there was a mob guy gunned down right outside Sparks. Yeah, he was. And he was, that yeah. made the reputation, but it is a dynamite steakhouse. It is. It, yeah. It was fun. That was when John Gotti took over. He, he became boss after that hit, but <laughs> I don't remember go. the guy that was hit though. So can we do some race questions? Of course. Cool. So I want to shout out to uh, Pete Boland. He is the owner and managing partner of The Galley in downtown St. Pete. And, and he's also, also Mary Margaret's Old Irish Tavern. Both great places. And he sent over questions oh, a couple of years ago when we had Mayor Christman on. And I threw out like nine out of 10 of them. <laughs> but, sorry, Pete. But this, this, time, this time we kept five out of nine. Good. And also want to mention, so this is coming out on Tuesday, April 6th. This Friday after the ninth, that will be the Rays' first home game against the Yankees. I thought it was the eighth. No, ninth. Oh, okay, yeah. Off day on the eighth, home game on the ninth. Got it. There you go. So, these are from Pete Boland. Would you have left Blake Snell on the mound in Game <laughs> Six of the World Series? <laughs> this is the question that will continue to be asked until the Rays make the World Series again. Yes. Uh, my answer. Uh, to Pete and all Rays fans who might be listening is yes. I ride or die with Kevin Cash and that front office. They are much smarter than any of us with all due respect at baseball decisions. And I, I liken it guys to being the CEO of a fortune 500 company. And if you're doing the same thing over and over and continuing to have increased success with those same decisions, when it comes down to fourth quarter, of your financial year and you have to make another decision, do you switch that decision and go in the opposite direction just because there's more pressure? No, you go with what got you there. And that's what Kevin Cash did. And if I was him, I would have done the same thing. Good answer. How excited are you guys to have fans back at the Trop this season? Uh, I cannot put into words how excited <laughs> we are. That Right now we're planning on 9,000 is I think the cap. 
and hopefully it goes up from there. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I love, and especially talking to you guys on this podcast, is I love the Tropicana Field experience, A, because there's a dome, so you know it's 72 degrees mm-hmm. every time you go in there, no matter I what agree. Time of season it is. Mm-hmm. But B, I think Tropicana Field has the most underrated food in Major League Baseball. They have done a fantastic job of embracing this food scene that we've talked about on this conversation, that it's not just let's put on big franchises and throw them in there so everybody is familiar with them. Let's bring in the Pacific Counters and let's bring in Mm -hmm. Krabby's and Park Shore Grill and Kawa Coffee. And one thing, shout shout out to Josh Momberg, who's in charge of concessions at Tropicana Field. He gave me some let's consider this breaking news on the St. Pete foodies podcast. There is a new vendor that's going to be in Tropicana field this year. And I am thrilled. And I know you guys will be too. Beans and Barler will be in Tropicana field and they'll be making not only milkshakes for the kids, but milkshakes for grownups as well. From what I understand the boozy shakes. There you go. So I am really psyched about that. Yeah. We love story. She does a great job. Yeah, that's very cool. So Rich, what is your game day routine? You know what, Kevin? I live during baseball season. I live my my life day to day very much like a baseball player would because I'm usually getting home from my post-game show late at night. Um, I try to sleep late, but I can't because I have three kids. So I'm <laughs> up at 6 a.m. helping get them off to school. But my morning is usually relaxation time. Then around late morning, uh, I start to prepare for that night's game. Mm -hmm. And by preparing, it's mostly on the computer, writing out scripts, looking at storylines that we're going to be covering in the pregame show. Um, I'm a stats freak and a research hound anyway. So that's a fun part of my job is looking up things like that. And we always joke on the air that we try to be infotainment or edutainment. Mm -hmm. We want to teach you something on the air about the game and the team. And at the same time, entertain you by being ourselves and the relationships that I have with Doug Wechter and Arrestus Estrada, who I do my shows with. We try to have as much fun on the air as possible, because I think that comes through the the TV lens and and lets everybody else have fun who's watching us at home. Right. Well said. Yeah, I love that. Second to last question from Pete Boland. What's it like being this David slaying the Goliaths of baseball so regularly? Uh, you know what? It, it's pretty darn fun. And, and <laughs> I, we're very careful not to say we, because I'm not part of the team. I just cover the team. Right. But being as close to them as I have for this is now my eighth season covering the Rays and seeing what they do and how they go about doing it and the buy-in that they get from the top of the front office all the way down to the last guy on the bench is pretty remarkable. And I think there are lessons that can be learned for um, anybody, for families, for small businesses, you name it. Um, Mm -hmm. They force themselves to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I, that's a lesson I try and teach myself and my children all the time, get comfortable being uncomfortable because if you're comfortable, that means you're stagnant. And if you're stagnant, you're not growing and you're not improving. And the Rays have found that secret sauce um, because they have, you know, a smaller budget than most teams in baseball. Right. They found that secret sauce to keep everybody in the organization energized. And they embraced the idea of being, to your point, the David versus all the Goliaths that are out there. 
right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. And last question, Rays fans are going to miss Blake Snell and Charlie Morton. How do you guys cope with all of the play personnel turnover? Um, I think it's part of the business side of baseball that as a fan, you hate because I know my sons have Blake Snell jerseys, just like they had Evan Longoria jerseys from a right. few years ago. And you ne- you don't stop liking those players, but you just don't root for them because they're, you're not on, they're not on your team. Right. Um, so one of the, I guess, challenging things about being in the job that I am in now is I have to separate the fan side of me from the sportscaster right. side of me. And, and that's still in there. That's part of my DNA for sure. And I want the Rays to win as bad, if not worse than, than most Rays fans. But when, when the light comes on and I'm doing my show and I'm covering the team and I'm asking certain questions that might be a little difficult to answer if the team's not doing well, that's the professional side of it. The personal right. side of it, I am still dyed in the wool, just like I was when I was growing up and I was a Yankees fan living 20 miles from Yankee Stadium. Right. Now I'm a dyed in the wool Rays fan and I want nothing more than for the Rays to win every time they step on the field. That's right. cool. So to catch you on social media on sports, go to Twitter at Rich on Sports. And for food stuff on Instagram, it's at Rich Hall, H-O-L-L. Rich Hollenberg, thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Rich. This was an absolute blast, guys. Hope we can do it again. Yeah, same great. We will be right back. This is Chris Walker, and you're listening to CP Foodies Podcast. Remember that we have the new recipe on the site for the lighter, modern version of Lobster Thermidor, and we're working on a few new reviews for April. And last month, we actually published... 10 new reviews in March. So if you missed any of that, check it out on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Next week on the show, our guest is former food writer, editor, and restaurant reviewer for the Orlando Sentinel. She also was a had a radio talk show on food and restaurants, was a podcaster, and currently, amongst other things, she is the media relations and PR machine behind celebrity chef Art Smith's Homecoming Kitchen, amongst other restaurants. We will be talking to Heather McPherson. If you want to get in touch, drop us an email at info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guests, Rich Hollenberg. And Abby Allen. And thanks to our sponsors. Trophy Fish. Dr. Barbecue. Rollin' Oats. The Zest Podcast. Noble Crust. Booyah Ramen. And and Engine Engine Number number 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold.
Um, and there you go, a perfect scrambled egg. I mean, the most amazing way of waking up the missus on a Saturday Sunday morning. So if you want to be a good boy, run upstairs now and give it to her in bed. The breakfast. <laughs>